Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 213, recorded at River Road Studios in wonderful, beautiful Eugene, Oregon. This show is made possible in part by the support of the Herbal Nerd Society. Patrick? Hey, yes, and to be an Herbal Nerd Society member, all you have to do is go to thepracticalherbals.com and go to the Join the Herbal Nerd Society tab at the very top left. Go there, read the page, and fill out the little form and fill it out, and Remember, and you help us along in supporting us to do our podcast and Dr. Rico's website. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great. Um, hey, if you like the podcast and you, you think it's something you want to you want to continue to support, um, what helps us a ton is uh, a review. So if you like the podcast, please go to your iTunes or wherever you get your uh, podcast from, Stitcher, iTunes, Loopsin, you name it. Um, give us a review. It uh, helps us because if you take the time to put us or subscribe to us in your feed. Um, it only helps us. And then in general, if you like it, let the other people know, because I know when I'm looking for a new podcast, I want that review. I want to figure out, uh, is it worth my time to even listen to an episode? So if you think it's a value, please give us a review because it only helps. And then in turn makes us bigger, which helps us with the more support, which helps us do more and better things. So it's kind of like an endless light loop. And that's what we want to do. All right. On with the show. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And welcome, welcome to, to Real Herbalism Radio. It was wonderful to talk with Jessica. She is so delightful, isn't she, Patrick? Yeah, you know, I, I love aromatherapy and, and she really um, made it more I don't know, functional. I think it's approachable the way that she does it. Aromatherapy has been this really huge thing in the mainstream media with the like doTERRAs or doTERRA. I hear so many people saying it so many different ways. Right. But the Young Living and all the various different MLM style and even off the shelf style of essential oils. You know, you you know, you've hit it at peak aromatherapy when you're going into grocery stores and they have, you know, diffusers and, you know, they're, you know, off brand or whatever brands are using for for essential oils, and it's just everyone's thinking, well, I just that's what I have to do in my house now. I have to have yeah. an aromatherapy diffuser. Yeah, and the diffusers are actually nice ones. Like you can actually get a good one. You don't have to go to a specialty store for a, store for a good one. Oh, Bed yeah. Bath & Beyond has diffusers, and they're really nice. Yeah, and they can they light up. They have wood bases. <laughs> yeah. They have all these things. I mean, you know, Candace, you have a really great one, but it looks like some herbal like, oh, yeah. lab <laughs> experiment with this like blown glass thing, and it vibrates, and it's like this like oh, yeah. mechanical thing. And It looks like something out of a steampunk novel it really does yeah and it's nothing like you you, you know and i i see these other ones i'm like well these are like little decorative pieces of furniture that we put in your space to make it nice you know yeah i've had mine for oh at least five maybe eight years it's been quite a long while well and i remember when you bought it it was it was was expensive expensive. it was hard to get a hold of you know yeah (laughs) but you had a whole you have a whole cleaning process for it too and i and you know some of the diffusers and that mainstream stuff i don't think they're designed to to last long um because when you and, and i've noticed this with your diffuser when you when you use it often you get a like a the residual, There's a like res- I mean, residue. Yeah, yeah, because you know you're getting the essential oils into the air. But there's other things, and I don't know if uh, not carrier oils, but I don't know what to really. No, no, no. It's it's part of the essential oils, but it's the part that doesn't isn't volatile. Right, so it doesn't get airborne. Yeah. Right. Otherwise, if you didn't have something like that, your essential oil would pretty much be like alcohol. It would evaporate and be gone, and there mm-hmm. would be nothing. 
Normally right. when you're making like a perfume or a lotion or whatever, you're using just a few drops. So you don't have the residual oils are just a part of the blend and it's, you don't notice it. Um, but when you're doing at least all the ones that I've used, I mean, when you put them in a nebulizer, there's a little bit of what looks like an oil. I don't believe it is. I think it's actually a resin that's left over, but I'm not really positive on that, what the chemical structure is. But yeah, it's left over in the bottom. For folks who use um, the diffusers that have water, you'll notice a little bit of like oil, what looks a little bit like oil that will end up collecting in your oh, water yeah. reservoir. Because you have another one that I really like too, which is a, it looks like a, um, it's a copper, it's a copper um, um, reservoir, well, a yeah, basin, or a basin on a stand that you put a tea candle underneath. And, and I've always liked it because I, I like the metal and the, the copper. But I did notice that after you're using it quite a bit, you, know, you get a residual in yeah. that in that copper um, basin that you have to actually clean out. Yeah. And I think that might be the, you know, I don't know if people really realize that, but you kind of have to clean that stuff out or yeah. it's going to damage your diffuser. Yeah, it'll build up and, and it also will alter the smell of whatever you're putting in there. So if you've been doing a whole bunch of, let's say, ginger and rosemary lately, and now you're ready to switch to something different, you want to do something like ylang ylang and some know, rose or some like narrowly or even some orange peel, something that's really like really different, and you put it in with that residue, you're going to get this earthy scent that comes from the residuals from the previous oils you were using and it'll muddy your scent oh, yeah. so think about like a coffee maker if yeah. you make coffee for for you know six months using the same grind same roast and everything and then you go and you want to get a light roast and you decide to run it through that same coffee maker if you don't clean it and like get rid of all of those oils that have been built up over time that light coffee you're going to have is not going to taste the way you want it to taste. Right. And that's part of the reason why, too, like when you go to commercial places, like commercial coffee, they're cleaning those things every day. To every get, night they you know, soak them with the Puro Caf or, or whatever, whatever they're using. they're using to, to pull those oils so they don't yeah. build up so that the next day when they start, everything is fresh and you're getting those those flavors. At home, we're not as, you know, it doesn't really matter because we're not trying to. Actually, you know, I'm I'm pretty diligent with my essential oils. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have a blend that I'm using, but... When I'm doing a lot of using the diffuser a lot, which I tend to do more in the spring and going into summer, um, mm-hmm. I'll I'll be cleaning it every single week. I'll be religious about it. So I have a couple of hot tips for you in case you're thinking about getting your first diffuser. Don't look for things where the essential oils are going to be in a plastic kind of basin. You want them on a glass or metal can work. Um, I do have that copper one that's mm-hmm. worked well. Just make sure that it's a solid metal. Um, not like aluminum is no, probably a bad choice. too reactive. Yeah. You want something that if you could cook tomatoes in it, it's probably okay without a huge reaction. Right. You there know. you go. Um, so copper works well. Um, I think stainless steel would also work well potentially. Sure. Um, otherwise, glass or a uh, ceramic that's a strongly well glazed with a high fire glaze, something you could eat off of would work. Mm-hmm. So that's one of my like big things because the plastic will begin to degrade with time. And with time, when you mix essential oils in with time, that de- that with t- the time part might not be that. So are we long. talking about time as in as in life and or, or, or lifespan? Or are we <laughs> yeah. talking about time the herb? We're talking about time the lifespan, okay. but it's not as long as you think. Okay. You'll notice it degrading depending on how much essential oils and which ones you're putting in, probably right. faster rather than slower. 
And you know, and, and, so. and like anything else, you know, if you're you're looking at this stuff, cost does matter. If you're yeah. buying a ten dollar yeah. herb diffuser, you, you're going to get what you pay for, and it's not going to last very long, and it may not do what you want to, you know, what you're looking for. If you really want to get a a quality item or, or something that can really do the therapeutic part of, of aromatherapy, not just making your house smell nice. You, you're going to be looking at $50 price point or more. Yeah. My personal preference is for nebulizers as opposed to diffusers. Okay. And the key difference between a diffuser and a nebulizer is that a nebulizer does not introduce anything except the essential oils themselves. So, so there's no, no water. water. It's 100%. And it, yeah. And, a, and diffusers usually use water. Right. So our copper basin's a diffuser. Yes. Your glass steampunk-looking thing is a nebulizer. Nebulizer, yep. Which really sounds cool, Star Trek fans, nebulizer. It is really cool. Right. I like it. And it, and it has this, and when you turn it on, it has this uh, vibrating sound. It yeah, it's a little hum. So I I personally prefer the not water kind, but it's very much a personal preference. There's nothing wrong with a diffuser at all. So well, if that's what you like, go for it. Well, I remember back in the day, you'd take a, a, a handkerchief and put a couple of drops and put that over your lamp. Yeah. They... <laughs> <laughs> We've done that. Come close to catching a few hankies yeah. on fire. You know, but... <laughs> I, I mean, other people are like, well, I just put it right on the light bulb. I'm like, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, yeah. No. No, we're not. No. And then my other tip is clean regularly. And I have personally found that a 90% isopropyl alcohol as opposed to 70%, you know, one that's really got the higher, stronger mm-hmm. alcohol content mm-hmm. works pretty well. I'll right. sometimes have to soak for a little bit. To, if, I've, if I've been lazy and let the residue build up a little bit more, I might have to soak it a little bit. But I find that usually the alcohol will do most of the work for me. And most... Most um, pharmacies will have the higher alcohol. You just have to look in, in, at the percentage on the back. And it's, there's usually yeah. a cost difference, too. Yeah, the um, 90% ones are a little bit more expensive. A little bit, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I, if I had only 70%, I'd use that. So sure. It's, it's well, not, you, sometimes you know, like, it's the practical side of things. Sometimes you just use what you have. You're not going to yeah. run to the drugstore for that specific thing if you don't have to. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but anyway, diffusers aside. Diffusers aside. <laughs> Um, but you have – so your two tips, again, were clean with de- with isopropyl alcohol in a 90% mix and – Avoid plastics. Avoid plastics. And on the, on the area – it doesn't matter if the outer casing is plastic, but avoid the area where the essential oils will touch. You want that to be not plastic. Okay. So now that we've, we've talked about the ways you can put it in the air, yeah. what else do you want to talk about on that, <laughs> <laughs> on, on, on aromatherapy? Well, one of the things I really liked about Jessica's take on it is that you don't have to be doing essential oils and you can get aromatherapy from something as simple as a tea, especially for folks who are like with small children. I had someone recently asked me a little, a few questions about, um, she has a baby, a young one, just under, just under a year old. And she was asking about sourcing for essential oils and whether a couple different ones were safe and that sort of thing. When you're looking at children who are under about three years old, essential oils are not necessarily as safe. Some of them are quite fine. Like lavender is still pretty safe for, you know, even under three. But it's not until our nervous systems are a little bit more developed that essential oils start to become the broader number of them are safe and and fine for using in a diffuser or that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. However, as a tea... And especially using a tea to fill the air in your house, like a, if you throw your water into your crock pot, you throw your herbs in there, the scent will fill the house kind of like a potpourri, you know, like those old simmering potpourris we used to do, which were essentially mm-hmm. decocting 
aromatic plants. Right. So that kind of aromatherapy is going to be fine even for small children, even if the essential oil itself may not be a good one for small children. For the most part, you'll be pretty safe there. Because what you're doing by making the tea or the decoction is you're using an even tinier, minuscule amount of the volatile oils that are potentially problematic. And if you're not having your little one imbibe it or drink it, which Mm -hmm. is preferable, especially if you're using herbs that are not necessarily good for kids, um, but the scent is good, then it's fine. Does that make sense? Right. right. The way I said that? Mm -hmm. Because I I feel like I went in a circle. No, I think you're fine. fine. Circles are pretty common for me. (laughs) We're bringing it back around town. It's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Um, I think that, you know, in our experience with it, you know, we usually that's like we start doing – I like to do it more, but we seem to always bring it out when there's sickness in the house or the air needs to be – Yeah. Become part of the treatment for the – for whatever ails us. Yeah, I have I have traditionally had more challenges. In fact, we're heading into the season where it starts to get harder for me to use incense. My top favorite for filling the house, shifting the energy, and just making the house smell like home to me is incense. Okay. And I usually use Japanese pressed incenses, so the kind that don't have a stick to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and those, that's my favorite. Hands down, 100% my favorite. But I have seasonal allergies and they start to pick up in the spring so we're heading into what is considered wood time of year and here in eugene we're actually i i would say we're really kind of in it already getting close things are budding already i couldn't believe it yeah so when you start seeing the first signs of greenery budding the bulbs starting to come up and all of that that's the beginning of when jessica was talking about like the different chinese elements Mm -hmm. wood season is is that and for me that's the season where there's a lot more pollen that starts to come out and my respiratory system starts to feel more challenged so that's the time of year where I have to do incense a little bit less, and then I get to closer to the summer and, and hay fever season, and there's no incense, and no particulates are okay for me. So that's usually when I make the shift to doing a lot more with the essential oils and the nebulizer. Mm-hmm. And then that'll go through till the, we get to the point in summer where we're past, in our, in our area, we have two grass seasons, but the second grass season doesn't affect me much. Mm-hmm. And if we aren't having fires, we have our house open. Right. So at that point, I don't do anything, and then I start with incense again in the fall about the time when the rains begin. So for people in more northern climates or not Pacific Northwest-style climates where we get spring early, they're still deep into winter phase. Right. So for me, that would be like, when we lived in Minnesota, my incense went all the way until like usually May. Mm-hmm. It was about Mother's Day was when I had to make that shift. Yeah, because it was a little bit later. Yeah. But the decoctions in the crock pot on the counter, mm-hmm. now that goes year round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I sometimes I wonder what you're making, but you're like, no, it's just, it's just, you know, just doing something. Yeah. Always got something brewing in the crock pot. It's tasty. You want to try it? Uh, yeah, and then I get that she gets a, gets me on that every too too often. I know. Like, I think she like, does it because she likes to see the face I make. Mm, this is good. It tastes like mud. Try it. Try it. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't it? Doesn't it taste like dirt? This is Com- McKinsey River mud. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, hey, you know, 
one of the things that that we used to do was the you know herbal 101 yes and you know we probably have a question that we could answer from one of our awesome readers and here's the thing if you have a question for the for Candace uh, go ahead and go to the show notes of pretty much any uh, show and you will find a form on the right hand side that's the herbal 101 form you just fill that out and uh, we will try to get to you uh, on that. We don't answer every question, uh, of course, and there's some questions we won't answer at all. I mean, no, no, we can't prescribe anything. Um, anything that is going to be, you know, um, I'll just be blunt. You know, we we can't advocate in herbal abortions. We're not going to do that um, either way. We're just that's just beyond the scope of herbal 101. If you've got a technique question or a what does this do question or you know that that you want to have answered. That's what that form is for, and we would love to have those questions. So with all of that preface out of the way, let's talk about today's Herbal 101 question. Are you ready, Candice? Yes, I am. So this, this question comes from Donovan. Donovan asks, um, see here, please, I make my family's herbal glycerin tinctures, and I make a few that are very, very bitter, like dandelion, and a few other mixtures. Well, I'd really like to know is how to, how to maybe mask or decrease the bitter in some of these herbs. I make a heated glycerin tinctures. Please help. Well, Donovan, I'm sure there is a solution because I know that Candace makes this stuff for our, for our family and it's not bitter. So go ahead, Candor. Well, we got a, there's actually a lot going on there. Um, one of the questions I would, if Donovan were here in studio, I would say, oh, well, are you guys comfortable with bitters? Do you have bitters? Because a lot of times our palates don't, we're acclimated to sweet tastes and salty tastes we're okay with sour taste. Most people don't really like bitter taste, especially standard American diet is devoid of bitter. Bitter is really good at getting your digestive system moving. It's particularly supportive for your liver and gallbladder and your stomach acid, and it'll start helping you build that. If you're a person who has problems in those areas, like you have, a te- have had gallbladder surgery or you, you know, have get gallstones or right. you have a compromised liver, um, you may not... It might not be great for you to take bitters. If you shouldn't take bitters, then bitter tinctures like a dandelion root tincture or glycerin, in this case, glycerate, mm-hmm. um, will taste far more bitter than they would to someone like me who takes a lot of bitters regularly. And I, I don't – a lot of times I – like artichoke is described by uh, – like Guido Masse and Jovial King describe it as this really, really bitter. And mm-hmm. I'm like, artichoke's not bitter. It's kind of sweet and woodsy. And there's just a little bit of bitter there, you know. But that's not what everybody else tastes when they taste artichoke. Right. <laughs> so, so that might be part of what's going on with why a dandelion tincture or glycerate might be tasting bitter. Usually when you add something sweet to whatever your bitter thing is, that helps mask the bitter considerably. So making your dandelion root or your gentian or your artichoke or any of the other really bitter stuff that you're working with, putting it into like an herbed honey. Um, like Don Combs would recommend, mm-hmm. would be one of the ways to do it. Doing a glycerate would be another way that we would recommend. Um, but if it's still too bitter for you, then the sweet's not doing enough. So my second suggestion would be, okay, you're putting in, let's say you're probably, I'm guessing, you're probably going to be making it right now at a 1 to 5 ratio, which means one part dandelion root. Let's say we're working with dandelion root. So one mm-hmm. part dandelion root dried and five parts glycerin um, and water in whatever the solution is that you're using. 
So we're just going to call it your glycerate solution. Um, depending on who you are and what you're working with, some people use 100% glycerin, others will use 50% glycerin. It's kind of up to you. If you've been working with a lower percentage of glycerin, you can try upping the glycerin first, which will then give you a sweeter tincture or a sweeter result mm-hmm. and see if that does it. And if that doesn't work, increase the amount of glycerin that you're using, your ratio to dandelion. So instead of one to five, try one to 10, you know, double the amount of glycerin. So you're ha- taking your dandelion root and making it half. That'll mean that your whole entire finished product is half as strong but it'll also mean that it will taste half as bitter. So start with a less bitter, and then each time you make it, maybe consider changing your ratio a little bit and moving in the direction of the more bitter until you get to the point where the more bitter is actually palatable. All right. Great. So if you like like us, make sure to review us. And um, we're on the Instagrams. We're on the Facebooks. We're on the... Oh, yeah. And and if you're willing, leave us a review for this podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, that's so helpful. I don't know how many podcasts I've done where I've actually listened to them because somebody else said, hey, have you listened to this podcast? It's really great. Right. And I would not have found it just trying to search. Right. You know? I think about how many things that I've done the same thing between whether it's a book or a new Netflix series or or whatever it is. Uh, Usually if someone that I know, like, and trust tells me, hey, you really would like this, I, I put a lot of faith in that. So Yeah. All right. With that, put an herb herb on on it. it. The statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration, FDA, and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication, or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions, or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.